Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and today I have with me Xenia Muntan, the CEO and co-founder of Planable, a social media management and collaboration tool. Her platform serves over 800 brands, including Jaguar, Land Rover, Viber, Siemens, and the United Nations. In today's episode, we'll find out more about her tech entrepreneurship journey and advice that she gives to others looking to start something on their own. However, before we get started, I wanted you to know that you can always contact my team to boost your brand's visibility online. We offer services such as content marketing, influencer marketing, online PR, and more. For details, check out my website, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. And now back to the episode. Hey guys, we're super excited today. We've got the uh, CEO and founder, I believe, right, of Planable, and it's Xenia, which I've already apologized to her ahead of time because my pronunciation for anything outside of extremely simple variables is and, and phrases is extremely difficult for me. But we're super excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Shane, for having me on the show. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think we just jump right into this. So you you have a very interesting history, and that was the reason we wanted to have you on the podcast because you've done some really big things in the startup space, um, have been around for a long time. But I wanted to kind of set the table for anybody that hasn't heard of your company or yourself as an individual. Can you tell us? Give us a little a little history, a little foundation. So where did you grow up? Yeah, sure. I'm originally from a tiny, tiny country in Eastern Europe. It's called uh, Moldova. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. Um, and I started my company, Planable, about four years ago uh, in Eastern Europe, and we still have offices there. Um, and we've been you know, building this company for the past uh, couple of years to help marketers Uh, and more specifically marketing teams work together better on content that they produce. And before Planable, I actually had a social media marketing agency and that's how the entire story of Planable started. Uh, Back in my agency life, I was very frustrated with the way we were working and presenting uh, content to clients, the entire process of having to build decks and spreadsheets and plan content in you know, Microsoft, the, the Excel, and sending that over email and trying to get feedback and approvals from clients felt very clunky and very, very old school. And I felt like marketers deserve a more modern way of working together on, on content. And that's how you know, Planable got started. And yeah, and we're going to definitely touch on that because you, I, I love that because I mean, the unfortunate part is that most people still don't do content the right way when it comes to creation and stuff like that. That's the reason Planable was created. And that's the reason why it's helping such big companies these days. So tell us a little bit about your family. How big was your family growing up? Not, not too big. Um, so my father and, and my mother, and also I had, um, I had a uh, older brother so, you know, quite a small uh, family. We, we moved uh, from one part of, of Moldova to the suburbs of the, of the capital just so we get a better education um, and so that we get, you know, better access to opportunities. My mother was always a big, she was very big on getting her kids involved in as many projects and activities as possible. And I feel that that's, you know, though no one in my family is an entrepreneur, I think, uh, just the fact that my mom, she hustled so much to give us so many opportunities in life, but she also was so, um, she was so enthusiastic about having us participate in, in so many extracurricular activities. I think that's kind of where my background as an entrepreneurship started. 
I love that. I love him. Probably not at probably as a kid, you're thinking, God, why do we have to do all this stuff? You know, and then <laughs> later on, you're like, thanks, mom, for kind of forcing me to jump in and do things that might have been outside your comfort zone. So I love that your mom's like, no, we're going to steer her. We're going to give her more opportunity than we had. That's all we can really ask of our parents, right? To say, just yeah. just send us in the right direction. And, and, you know, we'll still kick and scream along the way. But later on, there'll be a time where we thank you. And obviously, this is not probably this is probably isn't the first time you've thanked your mom, but I'm sure there's been other times. But that's awesome. I love yeah. that that your mom kind of was like trying to steer the ship. And obviously, she did a phenomenal job. Not And shout out to your dad, too. I'm sure he did a good part, too. But mom was yeah. a little more active on day-to-day stuff. And so I totally get that. So what any interesting facts about when you're growing up? Is there anything interesting that maybe people might not have realized or just kind of a fun fact? Yeah, I think a fun fact about Moldova uh, is that it's actually a post-Soviet country. What is interesting about uh, post-Soviet countries is that we don't necessarily have a very strong um uh, feminism movement necessarily, but in uh, the Soviet Union, uh, women were, you know, working uh, elbow to elbow with, uh, with men. Um, so, you know, that, that gave, you know, a different perspective on, uh, on, uh, on women and in, in my country. And actually an interesting fact is that uh, recently we elected uh, a female president uh, back in my home country which is, I am so, so proud and above and beyond excited for this. Um, it's one of the few female presidents in Europe and probably in the world, to be honest. And, uh, you know, having that, um, I think this will inspire a new generation of, of girls to go into uh, business, to go into politics and just to make, you know, a name for themselves. And I think that's like one, one interesting and very, very exciting for me fact that I wanted to share. I love that. And, and was the, the, the lady president that was elected, it wasn't your mom, was it? Because it sounds like we should have voted for your mom. It sounds like I, I mean, not to, <laughs> that's awesome. That is no, so cool. Not that, my mom, but yeah. Not your mom. Okay. All right. Maybe next, maybe next time, maybe you're in the next time, but that's awesome. <laughs> All joking aside, I think that is so cool because that's, I mean, you know, even the U.S. hasn't elected a, a female president yet. I think we're, we're hopefully in the next few years because I think it'd be nice to kind of shake it up a little bit. So your country was one of the first. That's awesome. So congratulations. That's I think that's that brings a lot of pride to, to the Thanks. area and especially for you as, as well. That's awesome. And then so where do you where do you currently live? I know that the, the company has UK, but are you in there? Is the company currently in the UK? Yeah, so the company has um, has a its headquarters in the UK. Uh, I am currently in uh, Romania, Bucharest. Um, we have an office here on the on the marketing side, uh, and uh, I you know spent some time. I'm living in Bucharest uh, for the past uh, three years, and I moved uh, to start my business here uh, in in Romania initially. Um, being in the European Union, it has better economical uh, opportunities for building businesses, for building startups. And that's, you know, how we started. Uh, that's where the company uh, started, but then we moved it uh, to DEK. And now for the, uh, you know, with coronavirus and everything, uh, I'm back home for a while. Gotcha. Good, good. Back, back safe. Well, that's good. Keep you safe yes. there. That'll, that, that'll be a good thing. I know it's safe. It's a crazy world out there right now, but we'll, we'll yeah. get through it. You know, we'll get through it. So did you attend college or where did you go to college at? Yes, yeah, so I actually studied uh, at a local university back home in, in Moldova. Um, nothing too fancy. I studied PR and mass communication. Uh, I think I was dreaming about going in the advertising world since 
since I was a teenager, really, I was reading everything, you know, watching all the commercials. Uh, I was very, very passionate about this industry. Um, I remember when I was young and I was learning Russian, because uh, back in Moldova, we speak actually two languages, Romanian and, and, and Russian. Mm. Um, and when I was learning uh, Russian, which is not my native language, but, uh, we, you know, it's very common in the country. So when I was learning it, I remember first time I went to Moscow, I was reading the billboards and that's how, you know, how I was practicing my Russian, you know, through advertising and commercials and, you know, billboards. Um, so I was really into advertising since I was very young and that's what I studied PR and mass communication. And, you know, my dream was to maybe one day work in some very cool and hip advertising agency. And I ended up building my own, uh, running my own agency and then uh, starting Planable afterwards. That's awesome. So this was deep. This is it starts deep in your deep in your roots. You wanted to do this from a little girl, and it sounds like hey, nobody's getting in the way. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So, what was your first job out of college? So I never worked for someone else. So like, I never had a typical job. Um, back in college, I um, started uh, my agency. That was kind of the first job that I ever had. Um, and I was never dreaming about being an entrepreneur. I was never dreaming about building my own agency, to be honest. As I mentioned, I was really, you know, hoping uh, to land a, a creative or a strategic job in, in some other agencies. But uh, during my university time, I was in a student organization, in a student association. And one of the sponsors was looking for someone to help them with uh, their social media. And that sponsor was Coca-Cola, luckily. I've heard of <laughs> um, Yes, yes, you might have. Yeah. Uh, and they were looking for someone to just manage their social, uh, some, you know, young kid. Um, and I was doing, you know, I started doing that. And, you know, obviously they needed someone, you know, a, a company to invoice this for. Um, that's you know, how I started it. Uh, and fast forward and about six months, I had some other clients and I realized that, hey, I think I'm building a company. <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but there you go. So, so let me get this straight. So your first client when you started your agency was the biggest brand in the world? Like, let me just, let me just yes. like, okay. <laughs> so you, you literally started from the top and now you're working your way down to the other to the other brands. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. You're like, yeah, you know, my first client was Coca-Cola, maybe one of the biggest brands in the world. I mean, to That's be a... honest, to be honest, it was like Coca-Cola and, you know, in a very tiny uh, market, but still, yes, a big logo. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know if it really gets any bigger than that from, you know, the US perspective. And I think the world, Coca-Cola is everywhere. So congratulations on that. You can only, only Thanks. unfortunate part is you can only go down from there. The brands only get smaller, right? I mean, you started, so it's like, what do you go from there? But, but awesome. I do get it. It was a smaller market, but still a, a, a big brand to, to take on and responsibility there. So I want to talk a little bit about just your, like your tech entrepreneurship, like the things that you've done and um, which has been interesting. So you've touched on it a little bit, but when did you realize that um, that entrepreneurship was right for you? Because obviously you talked about like, hey, kind of maybe wanting to work for another agency. And then all of a sudden this random brand called Coca-Cola um, came along. So like, how, when did you realize like, wow, entrepreneurship's the right for root, like the right path for you? Very late in my entrepreneurship journey. That's when I realized I was already an entrepreneur for a while when I realized that, oh, that actually works for me. 
Um, and I, I wasn't really imagining being an entrepreneur because I didn't really have that many role models as entrepreneurs when I was growing up. Uh, not that many female entrepreneur uh, models um, while I was growing up. And that, that, that's something that, you know, I didn't know that's possible. I didn't know that I, I have it in myself when I was, when I was young. Uh, so I discovered that entrepreneurship is really the thing for me when I was already doing it maybe one or two years into it. Um, and I realized that I love what I love about entrepreneurship is the freedom it gives me to build the right team um, and work with the people that I you know, respect and admire. And I have, I, I have a saying in who I work with. And that's what excites me the most, just the people and the team I get to build when I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and just, you know, the, the freedom of kind of shaping your own path is also quite exciting. I thought it would be terrifying, the uncertainty of it. Um, but yeah, I could, I could take it. So it didn't, it wasn't as harmful as I thought in the beginning. And that's, you know, when I knew that, okay, it seems like I can live with the uncertainty. Uh, seems like I really enjoy building a team and just crafting my own path. So yeah, this is actually working pretty well for me. I, I would say it is. I would say it is. Well, the, the awesome part is, is that maybe there weren't a lot of female role models um, when you want to become an entrepreneur, but guess what? Now you're one of them. So now yeah. you're, you're paving the way for the next generation. Not only does your country have a, a female president and now you're there doing a successful startup. So that's awesome. Funny, Somebody yeah. else is going to have a podcast in 20 years and talk about who, who motivated you. And they're going to be like, I, there's, I had a female president and then I had the CEO and founder of Planable that was the, you know, that, that helped me get to where I need to be. So awesome, awesome for doing that. Once again, not an Thanks. easy task because being an entrepreneur is already hard, but being a female entrepreneur has more challenges um, than being a male entrepreneur, unfortunately, but you're breaking through those barriers. So that's awesome. So that's, I was actually one of the reasons why I was excited about talking with you because I, your journey is very interesting, but um, so tell us about how did you come up with the idea of Planable? Like at what point did you say, hey, listen, there's, there's, an, there's a problem here and, and I have a solution? Yeah, so actually the idea of Planable, um, it came from my co-founder, uh, Nick. He's the CTO, Chief uh, Technology Officer at Planable. And uh, back then he was working at another agency and um, he saw the struggles of his coworkers when they were planning social media content calendars uh, for clients. Uh, in parallel, uh, I was running my own agency. I was hating working in PowerPoints. I, I was so frustrated by just the back and forth and the spending time formatting spreadsheets and building decks was not why I started and why I continued building my agency. And I remember I, I asked one of my colleagues if she could look around for some tools out there that could ideally help us mock up how content uh, is gonna look like in the end. Cause that was, that was one of the biggest frustrations. We were spending a lot of time mocking up content so clients can, can see what they're gonna get in the end, how their timelines, how their feeds are gonna look like, how their posts are gonna look like. And I asked her if, if there's, you know, so she can do some research, investigate and see if there's any tools out there that can help you mock up content uh, for social, but also, collaborate in some kind of very efficient way with clients. Um, and, you know, she uh, found the usual suspects, Buffer and, and Hootsuite and other tools like that. And we tested them and we realized that, yes, you know, they do help a lot with scheduling and uh, automating the publishing side of, 
of the social media work, but not necessarily what comes creation. before that, the workflow, yeah. the creation, the coordination of content. And in parallel, my co-founder, Nick, uh, he was, you know, observing how his colleagues were struggling with this entire process. And we got together and um, we decided to solve this problem, to scratch the sitch for ourselves and uh, then we realize that there's a bigger industry out there that it's not just agencies um, struggling for this it's also in-house departments uh, in-house marketing teams that are struggling with collaboration and, and content planning and it's not just teams in Moldova but also teams everywhere in the world that, that yeah. need collaboration. It's a huge problem. I mean, I, I know that personally because we, you know, having an agency, it's like getting that the back and forth. You know, in fact, I'll be honest, it was it was such a headache for us that we don't do it anymore. You know, because we <laughs> well, did yeah, I mean, be before we knew about Planable, obviously. But I'm just saying, like for us, it was like it's just the ROI of it and going back and forth, and then you know, you spending 20 hours on something, and them going, no, we don't like it, and you're like. Okay, I guess we start back at square one, you know. And there's so many brands out there that are in the same position, especially the ones that are in regulated industry, like pharma, for example, where they need to approve every single post with their legal department. That's mm. such a burden that, you know, it's not worth it. So teams uh, avoid doing it or avoid going through approval processes. And in some case, failures happen, you know, epic PR crises happen because people don't. You know, there's no second set of pairs of eyes that that looks at uh, at the content before it goes live. So it, they either don't do it, or some small PR crises happen on social. Yeah, we had a, a really large insurance company, actually insurance agent that was like one of the number one producers. And we, and this was many moons ago now, a lot of years ago, but the, it was an absolute nightmare, like between legal and this and that. I mean, they just would take the sizzle out of anything you wanted to put out there. And we weren't putting out anything like crazy or racy or anything that was like, you know, people would go, oh my God, like it was pretty simple stuff, but it would like, by the time we would go to put it out, it would be like 20 days later. And I'm like, yeah, but like, we missed the point of like, that was a social thing that was going on. And we wanted to, you know, like we're trying to make you guys hip and, you know, hey, reach out to us and start investing now. And everything, they just took the sizzle out of everything. And that was, but the issue was, is that we didn't have the creation process and all that. Like we didn't have planable, right? We didn't have anything in the middle that would help us be able to understand that we don't have to spend 20 hours to get denied at the end and be able to that collaboration in the middle, which is so important. So anyways, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't find out about you guys probably eight <laughs> years ago, but you weren't around. So I, I would have done a Google search and not found you. So I'm excited that you guys are here to help uh, agencies moving forward. And tell us a little bit about Techstars, because you guys um, were part of the Accelerator program, I think, in London, right? In yeah, 2000, yeah. 2017. 17. Yeah, tell us about that, because that's I know that's not an easy accelerator. They're huge. I mean, they're worldwide, but I know that's not an easy one to go through. How, what was the process for that? Yeah, definitely. So they're by far the best startup accelerator in Europe. And uh, the experience of getting there was it was really hard. They have an acceptance rate of about 1%, so something like, you know, Harvard and, and Stanford probably. Um, and getting there was a mission for me, honestly. I had a top three accelerators I wanted to get in, uh, Techstars, uh, YC, and 500 Startups. Uh, and Techstars was, you know, really my favorite just because they focus so much on founders and, and the people behind companies. Mm. And I really loved this mission they had. Um, and I made it a personal mission for myself to get into, into Techstars. And it was the fourth time when we applied, uh, when we got into, into the program. 
Um, and I had to ask a lot of people to write recommendations and, you know, really reach out to the staff of Techstars and put in a good word for us. A lot of back channeling, uh, which is, you know, you know, it really proves that you can network. And that's something very important for Techstars and really important, you know, generally as a founder, you got to show that you have that perseverance, that you have that grit, that, you know, resilience, that you're going you're, you're to work very hard to achieve what you put your mind on. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, what we did and that's how we got in. I love that. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I remember, and this is kind of an interesting analogy. I, I remember I, I, um, wanted to be a flight attendant. This was once again, I'm, this is like Shane 3.0. This is like Shane 1.0. So I won't even tell you how long ago, like there, I didn't even, they're, they're probably, you probably didn't know there was planes back then. That's how old I am. But, um, <laughs> I actually went to go, I actually went there and what they, it was for United and they flew me out to, um, Illinois. But anyways, the reason I'm telling you that is I was talking to the flight attendants and they're like, well, I can guarantee you on your first time, they're gonna, they're, you're not gonna get the job. And I said, well, why is that? And they said, well, because every, why do you wanna be a flight attendant? And I was like, well, I wanna travel. And they go, exactly. They know that's what everybody wants. They wanna find the people that really would enjoy being a flight attendant. Not every, of course, everybody wants to travel. Like that's one of the main perks. And so she said, you know, they're gonna, they'll deny you. And I did get denied. Now I never applied again because I was thinking, well, I really do have to think about this. This is like, not just to get free flights, right? I do have to think, is this really something I wanna do? And I was always in the service industry. So I probably should have applied again and maybe I wouldn't have had a podcast and I'd be on a flight or maybe not on a flight because of COVID. But anyways, we're, here we are today. But it's interesting because, you know, I think it, with the tech stars, it obviously you, it takes that grit, right? They want to know yeah. because as an entrepreneur, we get, I, the, the, I always tell people, it's like you get punched in the face, you get kicked, you get stabbed, you get shot. I mean, it, it's, it's not an easy journey and they know that and they want the people that are saying, listen, I understand you said no, but I'm not taking that as an answer. Right. And let me, and then you, and in fact, I'm not going to take it as an answer. And this person that is the CEO of this company is going to also not take it as an answer. And they're not going to take it as an answer. And my mom's going to come to your house and she's not going to take no, because she's the one who brought me here and made me do this kind of stuff. Like, so that's what I think is awesome is like, they're looking for the people that just are like, cause it's, it's going to be hard. Right. And yep. I think a lot of people are going, Oh, this would be great if I get in, but it's another thing to, to kick the door down and say, listen, I'm not, I'm not taking a no. That's what they want. They want the people that are like showing the, the perseverance of that, um, which yep. is awesome. I'm glad you didn't have to get your mom involved to kick down the front door or anything that that it was it was safe for tech stars and that nobody got hurt. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. So what advice would you give to anybody that is looking to enter the tech industry? Let's say that's whether you're just an, a founder, uh, an entrepreneur or and also maybe from a female perspective as well. Yeah. That's a good question. I think one of the things that one of a very good piece of advice that I got very early on was uh doing things that don't scale in the beginning and that's it, it's okay and you actually need to do things that don't scale in the beginning um i think many entrepreneurs in the beginning they want to make something and they want to go big and they want to do you know things that are just you know wow um, and then in the beginning, you need to do small stuff, tedious stuff. You've got to validate it. You've got to talk to um, potential customers and you got to do, you know, small, very, very small things that you're going to, you got to start small and then go global afterwards. And I think that's a big piece of advice. I, I see that um, many entrepreneurs get overwhelmed by the fact that they need to just go big uh, or, you know, go home. And I don't think that's the case with startups. Um, you got to start with something, it's small, and then you got to iterate, you got to validate on it. Uh, and, you know, step by step, baby steps, you grow it um, until it becomes something, something big. Uh, but you got to start small. 
Yeah, I think the I think the thing is is because a lot of you know you read this stuff about disruption, right? You got to disrupt. Yeah. You got to disrupt, and I think that becomes the mindset of people is we got to go in and do this, and and disruption is is great, but you have to realize that there's a thousand tiny steps before you disrupt anything, right? There's there's certain things that need to happen, and so I think that's where obviously having tech stars you know, coming in and say, listen, this is, I love the big dream and what you guys want to do, but let's talk about the foundational stuff that you need to do before you even get to the point where you're looking for funding or, you know, anything like that. So I, that's why I love those types of accelerator programs. Cause I think it really helps bring people down to earth and it helps you understand the thousand things that you need to do before you go and change the whole world. Right. And it's yeah. a lot of work. Right. And that's it, but it's all foundational. I mean, of course it's a lot of, you know, perspiration and getting stuff done. And then there's some good, good amount of luck in there, right place, right time. And, you know, people, everything comes together. Um, but that's awesome. I do love that. I think it takes, it's, it's baby steps before you want to go change the world. Do make sure you take care of the, the foundational stuff that'll get you to the next step. Thanks, Inya. It's been an intriguing conversation. To all my listeners, I have a special offer if you want to try Planable. Use the code MARKETINGGROWTH30. That's MARKETINGGROWTH30 to get a 30% discount off of your first three months of Planable. To make it easier for you, my team will add a link to it in the show notes in the section below. Check it out. I still have more questions about Planable and its incredible growth. We'll touch upon that and more on our next episode of the Marketing Growth Podcast. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.